Hello, Podicumans. Brett Maddox here. Today, we are diving right back into the Faith Once Delivered document that was produced out of the John Wesley Institute. You can check out our show notes for links to the John Wesley Institute and to this document, which is available for free download. Remember that you can connect with us on social media at Podicesis is where you can find us. You can email us at questions at podicesis.com, or you can connect with us through voicemail 404-635-6679. Now, let's start this episode of the Podicesis podcast and continue our discussion. Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends and totally not wearing the same clothes they did in the last episode, Jim Morrow and Alan Kaysen. Well, How that's you guys obvious. Doing? That's obvious. Yeah, it's obvious. <laughs> Very clear. <laughs> it Especially is if you're watching on the YouTube channel. Well, uh, only if you're watching on the well, YouTube channel. Yes. <laughs> yes. Those who are driving to work listening to us in their car going, yes. ah, here they speaking go again. Of, speaking of, <laughs> youtube.com backslash at podakesis for Boom. YouTube. Thank you very much. Boom. Yeah, super fun. Um, getting used to watching myself on the screen again. Yeah. Okay, um, so this is a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. But it is. you know, incarnation, right? Like, yes, Jesus is God with us, and and you know, we get to be with you. And I think you should learn more about us. Uh oh. So last <laughs> week, last week we grabbed a hold of um, some artificial intelligence that told us the story. This is foreshadowing. I see what's happening here. The Maverick Life. Of Brett Maddox. Get out, wait. Now, what we did not, we didn't get a chance. We got to introduce one of our other co-hosts. Okay. Alan Kaysen. So, Alan Kaysen, oh, he's so quite awesome. open and vulnerable with you. He's kind of like, he, sh- he gives himself fully to you yeah, listeners. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. he's a jerk to us, but he's nice to you. <laughs> um, but you really deserve to know more about him. You do. And honestly... He's one of my dear friends, and there are things that I didn't know. So I went back to my dear artificial friend, Tome.app, to discover more about the life and times of my friend, Alan Kaysen. So what I'm going to do for just a second is, if you'll indulge me, friends, I just want to take a moment to share with you a little bit about your co-host. So uh, it'll be, uh, I'll put this up for you on the YouTubes, but I'm going to read just a brief, this is short. But it'll give you a better insight into our friend Alan. So this is full this name, is full name. Thank the you. life and times of Gordon Allen Kaysen. That's right. All right. Introduction. <laughs> Gordon Allen Kaysen was born in 1882 in rural just, Alabama. Just a hundred years off. And spent much of his time as a farmer and entrepreneur. Well. In his autobiography, written in the 1930s, <laughs> is an honest and detailed account of his life and experiences, wow. which provides a unique look into the life of a rural southern man during the early 20th century. Golly. Early life. This will go quick, but you got to hear this. Gordon Allen Kaysen was born in 1882 in rural Alabama to a poor oh family. Gosh. He was forced to leave school at the age of 10 to help support his family. It's a real deal, real deal. He worked as a farm laborer and eventually set up enough money, saved up enough money to buy his own farm, which he worked tirelessly to develop and expand. Good job. 
Thank you. All right, military service. <laughs> I didn't know this about you. Oh, what that looks like? What is that? In 1917, the picture looks like a dystopian hellscape. Are you holding like a like an energy rail gun? This is a uh, Excalibur that I uh, pulled okay. out of the rock. So I've got to read to the listeners about your military. <laughs> Hold on. This is my favorite part. <laughs> in in nineteen seventeen, okay. Gordon Allen Kaysen joined the United States Army I and served I... in France during World War One. Wow. His autobiography details his experiences in the trenches and in his interactions with fellow soldiers, providing a unique insight into the horrors, the horrors of war. war. Oh, and it wow. looks horrific. I mean it if you look does. at yeah. Yeah. Okay, painting. post-war life, after the war, Gordon Allen Kaysen returned to his farm and continued to work to make it hard to make it <laughs> successful. He even wrote extensively about his experiences in the war, and his autobiography provides a unique glimpse into the life of a rural it's southern unique. man during unique. the early 20th century. Yeah, it's like word for word what that said in the <laughs> intro. Here's your legacy. Uh, um, you oh, obviously had botched plastic surgery. Yes. <laughs> And now reside in the library. You're like, you're like the Courtney Cox of uh, old Southern oh, rural wow. gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. Yeah. Legacy. That reference. Oh, my gosh. Gordon Allen Kaysen's autobiography has become a classic oh, of Southern yeah. literature. Clearly, all of you have read it. It's yeah. widely read and studied Thanks. in universities and colleges. His honest and detailed account of life, this is funny, and experiences provides an invaluable insight into the life, life of a rural southern wow. man during the early How many different century. ways can you say the same thing? Just one, three times. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Look at you, Alan, in conclusion. Is it Colonel man. Sanders? What is, yes. what is that? This uh, is the conclusion <laughs> that the artificial intelligence wrote. Gordon Allen Kaysen's autobiography is an invaluable source of this information about the life of a rural southern man, man. during the 20th century. What is it you? He's honest. honest. Detailed account of his life and experiences provides listen, an invaluable insight. Into I am life nothing but honest and, and detailed. Okay, I'm nothing yes, but sir. honest and detailed. And I'm glad you served. In... I'm glad you served with France while in the United States yes. Army during World War One. <laughs> That's my And apparently, part. a dystopian version of World War. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like wow. it's like post Hunger Games. It's like a Cormac McCarthy novel. <laughs> You're like on the road with Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> <laughs> no country was or amazing. Gordon Allen Casey. I, I feel like I now need to write my autobiograph. Uh, uh, well, bio, you know, autobio. I don't yeah. know if you can top your earlier one, which That's is an right. invaluable resource. Which is used in <laughs> colleges and universities today. Yeah, I mean, maybe oh. even the one in the Northeast that um, Maverick. Also Pappy in the Midwest. Maverick, yes. Yeah. The uh, the best thing about those AI, uh, whatever that is, presentations, is the artwork they choose or yeah. I, or put together. I don't know. So I did learn that like with ChatGPT, it only has information up to 2021. Ooh. So that's clearly why my my info was not updated. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know, so. yeah, updated. So there was more yeah. after you yeah, were an old so man clearly sitting more. in a country yeah. chair. It was, it was, yeah. There's more details and it more was, honesty. It was in that country chair that Gordon Allen Kaysen, if you look at the picture, he looks like Colonel Sanders. I think Gordon Allen Kaysen invented the 11 herbs and spices concoction yeah, that would go into KFC. the con- KFC. Also grilled, grilled chicken. Uh, grilled chicken. On the Blackstone. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, let's come. Let's, let's get to what just, people came just here FYI, for. We, we will, but I just want to say congratulations for being the oldest living human. 
well, <laughs> except for Methuselah. But anyway, I'm not even, well, we're we're back at it now. Let's talk about Jesus. All right, so we are continuing our journey through the Faith Once Delivered oh that was gosh. published by the John Wesley Institute, who all of a sudden sent us a message saying they want to have nothing to do with us anymore. <laughs> Listen, uh, we're just we're we're literally uh, repping Pete Bellini's article on artificial intelligence. That's yes. basically what we're doing. So we're, need we're really to... supporting, you know, as the, people yeah. are still trying to read through that one. But um, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, we're 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 repping Viacom here. Okay. <laughs> All right, so All right, let's pick up. Let's pick up paragraph forty-four. Yeah, Hold paragraph on, what forty-four is the paragraph about? What is this paragraph about? It is about the three offices of Christ. Okay. Hold on. Okay, so we're reminding Jim of what we're doing here today. Right. Um, let's let's see if AI oh. can match the teapot. Oh. Okay, okay. Just real quick. I'm. You know. Maybe Am I'm I reading or are you reading? Thing. Which one? Um. Well, I'll read. You'll be. You'll read the real thing. Okay. All right. So I. What I did was I put in Jesus. So the threefold majesty of Jesus. But what the teapot is going to talk about is that Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I wanted to see. Um, is if I put that into one of these artificial intelligence writing apps, Jesus is prophet, priest, and king, what would it come up with? Um, and it's a li- it's interesting. Um, because the only reason I'm we're playing with this is because it's it's kind of kind of be a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, you're just going to have to commit not to preach sermons that you typed into the AI the, people. The only <laughs> problem is that our in the future, most of our listeners will just be AI bots. So yes, uh, well, they are now. We have we have like <laughs> Teresa from last week, and that's it. That's um, it. Yeah. All right. So just really quickly, I want to tell you what AI came up with, and then we'll put it against uh, actual people. All right. So it came up with a presentation called "The Threefold Majesty of Jesus," and I believe I'm sharing it on the screen for those. You of are. You're good. You are. All right. So it says this: Jesus as prophet. So I got it right. Okay. Jesus was a prophet of God, bringing forth his divine message to all of humanity. All right. And here's where it gets a little, it ends up wishy-washy. His teachings of love, mercy, and grace were a beacon of light to all who heard him speak. Okay. Unless you were a Pharisee. (laughs) Jesus as priest. Jesus was a priest offering himself as a sacrifice to atone for the sins of all mankind. Okay. His life was a living example of perfect obedience to God, and he gave us a way to be reconciled to him. Hey, that's like a pure gospel message. The picture is frightening because... (laughs) The pictures are something, I'm telling you. Jesus appears to be impaled on a fence, (laughs) and that appears to be a vulture instead of a dove. It's a phoenix. It's a phoenix rising up from the ashes. Jesus as king. Okay. Um, It looks like something from the Lord of the Rings. Jesus is the king of kings, reigning in glory and power over all creations. He is the head of the church and the one to whom all authority is given in heaven and on earth. So that's good, yeah. Um, And then it closes out with a conclusion that says, Jesus is the ultimate example of a prophet, priest, and king. He's the perfect example of what it means to live a life devoted by God, and we can all learn from his example. So that's what the AI came up with. I thought it was fascinating because I think I, I just think we're going to wrestle with that. Little, excuse me, a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. But so with that as a, a artificial introduction, <laughs> let's hear what <laughs> the TFOD has to say. Yeah, let's um, let's get into this. So John Wesley often emphasized the three offices of Christ: prophet, priest, and king. In sending the Son, the Father fulfills the covenant with Israel. He is the anointed prophet who speaks God's word perfectly. He is the anointed priest who offers the ultimate sacrifice. He is the anointed king whose kingdom will know no end. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting, and going back to that AI thing, so, <laughs> true, but seriously, so it's interesting, like, if you play with the AI stuff, 
And I think we're right at the beginning of this, and this is going to be something that we're going to have to wrestle with kind of ethically and, you know, uh, ideas of consciousness and AI, all of that stuff. This is going to be stuff that's going to be, you know, it may be laughable now, but gosh, you know, and I think that's what Bellini's article uh, that we keep highlighting yeah. uh, gets to is these are going to be some in- in- interesting questions because it is interesting how right those answers were. Um, well, like in one level, like one level. Yeah, like, like one level yeah, how yeah. right they were. Now, you know, the conclusion was, you know, Jesus is an example, example of. right. Yeah, that, that's that's not what classic well, that's Christian— like, That's like fourth-grade, five-paragraph essay stuff. Yeah. Right. right. Um, but Jesus is not an example of a prophet, priest, and king. He is the prophet. He is the king. He is the priest. Like in he, one. In one. So it's not that he's an example. Yeah. He is these things. This is his nature. This is who he is. His identity. So that that that's where you start seeing some of the uh, some of the limitations. Yeah, he uh, be them. Uh, he be them. The right. other the other thing that I, you know it, it's kind of funny to bring up. You know, we have a little laugh with it, but but there is some ethical uh, things to consider too. Um, you know, so what what is to stop somebody from you know typing in a sermon topic? into mm-hmm. a more robust AI app mm-hmm. and then going to town with it. Because I've seen some of the, this one, this this one, you know, it was simpler and maybe I could have made it more robust uh, with some playing with the thing. But some of them, you can get some pretty in-depth stuff. Yeah, no doubt. No um, doubt. Real quick, <clears throat> while we're just talking about this and we'll leave AI and we'll go to this, is like, there, like that is a good starting point. Like if you and I were like, we needed, hey, I just need to, I, need, I got a blank canvas and I need to, um, uh, I'm, I, I just need a, have a starting point you need a framework um, for a presentation um pretty cool pr- productivity app there yeah it's almost uh, and then like, you build onto it you change those yeah. pictures obviously and you, <laughs> you um <laughs> vulture jesus you, yeah it gets your brain going but yeah um well it, one of the things that, pe- that people are talking about and i can see it is like it might be the new google <clears throat> yeah like instead of searching <clears throat> for you know a search term if you use these kind of tools it can give you some more mm-hmm. robust and uh digestible ways to to take a topic yeah but then again so, the question is who's the one behind it all yeah the programmer all that stuff the matrix yeah so back to the, the teapod this is such a great and simple paragraph like <clears throat> it just defines he talks about john wesley's three offices of Christ, prophet, priest, and king, and just in a sentence apiece, just yeah. gives us the meaning. It's beautiful. So a prophet speaks the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So he is the word, Jesus being the word. A priest, um, yes, he offers a sacrifice, but also a priest is that connecting point, right, between God yeah. and humanity. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is that, uh, he's that bridge, if you will. He's that connecting point. And then you've got a king, of course, king of kings. Um, and he's not only the king of Israel, he is the king of kings. He is the king of all creation. Mm-hmm. And so those are important offices that, um, that, that Jesus holds and who he is. Right. And those were all separate. Like, if, so you take those through the Old Testament times, the Hebrew scriptures, and they're all separate, uh, offices filled by fallible, corrupted, corruptible people. Right. Uh, and by corruptible, I mean in nature. So right. you had the prophets, but not everybody could be a prophet, but Israel needed prophets, so God kept sending prophets. Right. Priests were set up through the law to offer the sacrifice, to mediate for the people, to carry the people into the presence of God, 
mm-hmm. um, and you had a whole line of priests. And then king, um, so God was their king, and then they asked for their own king, and you see how that went over time. And so basically what happens is all three of these offices are needed for this, the faith life of the people. Mm-hmm. Now they are all perfectly and ultimately fulfilled in one person mm-hmm. instead of across three you know kinds of people that cannot fulfill them once and for all right um and you know i think about uh that jesus not only holds these offices on earth in in, in his incarnation but he holds these offices even now at the right hand of god the father like he is the word mm-hmm. He is the priest. He continues to be the one who connects us to the Father. And then you've got that he is the king. He's the king of kings. So even in at the right hand of God, he still holds these offices. Mm. <clears throat> All right, so let's... Uh, Let's look at paragraph 45. All right. The Wesleyan slash Methodist tradition affirms the breadth of biblical imagery that is used to describe the reconciling work of Christ. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. His work addresses our condition, the guilt and estrangement, as well as the corruption and shame of sin. In his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus overcomes the disobedience and unfaithfulness of humanity. Mm. And go ahead and continue with verse 40, I mean, uh, paragraph 46. Uh, Grounded in his incarnation, the saving work of Christ includes his teaching and example, 1 Peter 2.21. It involves his sacrificial death on our behalf, 1 Peter 2.24, and it culminates in his glorious defeat of sin, death, and the devil, 1 Corinthians 15.54-57, Hebrews 2.14. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, Romans 8, 3, and became a sin offering, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. His sacrifice was to remove sin, Hebrews 9, 26, so that sinners might be cleansed from sin, Hebrews 9, 14, Hebrews 10, 10, and thereby become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and be freed from from their sins, Romans six twenty two. Man, they're quoting scripture. Yeah, I was going to say real so, quick, yeah. Alan. At what point, when reading that, did you regret reading all the references? <laughs> After the first one, you had to After finish the first it. one. After <laughs> the first one. So that paragraph made me think of another stanza from uh, that great Wesley hymn, Charles Wesley hymn, and can it be? Um, this is the third stanza, and he left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace emptied himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all immense and free, for, oh my God, it found out me. Hmm. And uh, so this this idea, one of the things that we're going to see in these coming paragraphs is this idea of the condescension of Christ, or the coming down of Christ, his him leaving his throne, if you will, or coming to be among us, and then the ascension of Christ back to the right hand of God the Father, is an essential part of understanding not only Christ's nature, but the redemptive work and what what Christ came to do, the mission of Christ, and how he carried, how he carried that out. And so there's all kinds of scriptural references. I love the fact that they peppered these references in here. Right. Um, 
And I love that, yeah. like the saving work of Christ. We think of we think of just we think of the cross. We think of I mean uh, I mean that's basically. Mm-hmm. But here it makes it clear that it includes all of his you know his teaching, his example, the cross, mm-hmm. and then also, um, you know, really the resurrection, um, uh, defeating sin and death and the devil through the resurrection. So it's so, it's it's all it's right. All so there's this there's this word this theological word it's called atonement. Right, this idea of being made um, at one with God through the sacrificial uh, work, uh, through the work and ministry and mission of, of mm-hmm. Jesus, um, and there are different theories of atonement. Um, um, and so, I want to ask you guys, which is the right one? Because you know, on Twitter, there's all kinds of debates about which is the right theory of atonement. I feel and, like, well, yeah. So, no, I feel like what the teapot is saying, though. Is that it doesn't use the word atonement, but mm-hmm. paragraph 45 says it affirms the breadth of biblical imagery that is used to describe the reconciling work of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's basically saying, like, like, and I know what you're getting at, like, yeah, it's really not one theory. It's really sort of all of them. Um, um, you, you can't trick us anymore with your yes. tricky questions. Tricky, 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 tricky. Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't. I think what the teapot is saying is that it, it recognizes sort of all of those theories. I guess it's an all-encompassing. That there's 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 um, there's a lot of imagery, yeah, um, of Christ's atonement throughout the scriptures. Right. Um, so not one is is necessarily more lifted up above the other. Right. And so the question is, uh, theories of atonement, you don't want to take of it like theory, like we're just speculating. But what it is, is like, how do we describe what, how Jesus reconciles us or makes us at one with God, right? Right. And so um, there's the reason there are so many explanations of that is because of this breadth of, of image, like all of it has to occur. So um, one of the things that you'll see is people insisting, and you'll see this in church uh, doctrinal statements, insisting, yes. and most of the time it's something called penal substitutionary atonement, mm-hmm. that um, it is the only way to think of this is that Jesus died in our place on the cross for our sin writ large, period, right. well, which is true. And I think one of the things they're trying to do is— um, by emphasizing that so so intensely, is you can't take out, there's got to be blood because there's sin, and the Scripture says that Jesus died in our place, he's the sacrifice. Right. <clears throat> but that cannot happen unless Jesus lived. Right. That cannot happen unless Jesus became incarnate right. and humbled himself to birth and death on a cross, and it doesn't matter if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and that doesn't matter if he still d- doesn't still live. Right. So the entirety of um, Jesus's life, birth, life, death, resurrection, and session, which is what we call his sitting at the right hand of God the Father, it is all integral to reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, it lifts up here. Um, one of the images that's so beautiful to me is um, the... Uh, about how his resurrection um, overcomes sin and death. You know, his glorious defeat in, of sin and death and the devil. Mm-hmm. There's great ancient images. Actually, I think it's Greggy Z, Gre- uh, Gregory of Nazianzus, who has that. Uh, or maybe it's Gregory the Great. No, that's Gregory the Great. I remember going into St. Joseph's Hospital in Savannah, Georgia. I was a pastor there for four years. And um, 
one of the things that we just had people in the hospital all the time. I was an associate pastor. I was in three different hospitals, you know, four days a week. And in uh, the wall across from everybody's bed, because this is a Catholic hospital, so it was religious, uh, St. Joseph's Candler, it was Catholic Methodist Partnership. There was a, pic, uh, a crucifix with the victorious living King Jesus on it with his arms stretched out. Not like the not like the cross with the suffering Jesus, mm-hmm. but the cross with the victorious Jesus. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like Christus Victor is the old-fashioned yeah. term for it. Yeah. And so what people look at is is Christ, who has victory over suffering. Yeah. And, hey, look, that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah you know, and that's part of the atoning work, that Jesus not only died in our place, but he defeated death. He defeated right. evil sin and the devil. Yes. Um, and dude, that means that there's no more power over us in those things. Right. But the, but it also, you have to have the sacrifice. You've got to have you the do offering. Have yeah. I remember in college, you know, when you're in college and you're a, you're, you know, if you're a Christian, you're in college and you're in a uh, college ministry, and then you start thinking you know everything there is to know about Jesus no. and theology and all this kind of stuff. Well, I remember a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, and I got into a kind of a heated debate um, because he um, thought that his idea of the atonement was such that as long as Jesus died, it didn't matter how he died, as long as Jesus died, then the atoning work would go. So his argument was Jesus could have died an old man, but at his death, the atonement would have taken place. Do you know who actually tackles that argument from thousands of years ago? No, actually. Athanasius in his book on the Incarnation. Oh, I need to go back. Yeah, okay, so... He could not have died of old age because he's incorruptible. He could not have... It would not have been fitting for him to die of sickness because he is unable to be afflicted by uh, by sickness. Interesting. So I need to go... I mean, I have... It's been a long time since I've read Athanasius, so I need to go back and read Athanasius. But yeah, exactly. And that was basically kind of the argument I was laying out, that it was the... the, the, Pierced for our transgressions, you know this, this, this that that peace was foretold from even before uh, Jesus was incarnate. So, so what you're saying is Jesus could not have died on a farm uh, <laughs> in rural Alabama. In rural Alabama, in 1932. <laughs> yeah, after, after developing after developing the recipe for KFC. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you say. That's, that's what, what I'm hearing. Saying. I that's mean, what I heard you say. That's what I heard you say. <laughs> apparently, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, uh, in just a second, um, we're going to get into a discussion about one of, and it's a passage that keeps being brought up over and over again on this um, in our conversations about Jesus, and that's from Philippians two. But let's read paragraph forty-seven. All right. Before we do, uh, denying himself and taking up his cross as a full and perfect sacrifice. The Son was crucified, died, and buried. He rose again bodily on the third day, ascended into heaven, and sits on the Father's right hand, interceding for us until he comes again to earth to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. God also highly exalted the Son, gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, Philippians 2, 9 through 11. And it is interesting, at the end, of, I mean, at the, the beginning of Philippians 2, the, the Paul is saying, have the same mindset 
He's mm-hmm. talking to the church, and he says, have the same mindset as, of that, as that of Christ Jesus. Have the same mind, the same way of thinking, the same way of living, um, the same way of— a servant and a humble— and, and, and humility. Right. And it is interesting that the he quotes this, and a lot of biblical scholars believe this is a hymn, um, an early Christian hymn, and so he quotes this hymn as what it looks like to be a humble servant, to have the same mind of Christ. What did Christ do? He condescended. He came down, and not only did he come down, he became a servant, even a servant unto death. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's those wonderful, even that we don't talk a lot about, but it is in the creedal affirmations that he even descended into the dead itself um, to proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the good news. And then Christ, then God gave him the name which is above every name, and he ascended and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father. So there's this beautiful picture in Philippians 2. Yes, it's a call to be like Jesus, to have the same type of mindset of Jesus. And then the example that Paul gives us is this incredible picture of the incarnation and ascension and session of Christ. Yeah, I like the way I like the way JD Walt uh, uses this, and um, and it's this V shape, um, mm-hmm. and we you really see it throughout Scripture. Is this is this coming down, um, um, and for Jesus, it's all the way to death. Just like we have to humble ourselves, we have to die to ourselves, mm-hmm. and then, um, but then at the at the bottom, uh, there there begins this ascension. Um, yeah. it's not, and it's not our doing, but it's God, God is exalting Jesus. God right. exalts us. It's, it's the whole, you know, Jesus, the first shall be last, the last shall be first, humble yourself, be a servant. And, um, and then, but there's this ascendancy that comes, um, once you get to the bottom, it gets this V shape. Um, and you see it throughout scripture, really, it's the fall right. of humanity. And then, uh, Jesus comes and, and, you know, we're sent. So it's this, it's a really beautiful word picture in scripture, but also this image mm-hmm. of a you know V. So hey everyone, we will return to the show in just a moment. But we just wanted to take this time and tell you about some of our favorite people. As you know, the Podakesis Podcast is a proud member of the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network. Spirit and Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in truth, and mobilized for the mission. For more information and resources, you can visit www.spiritandtruth.life. We also want to let you know about the Spirit and Truth Conference, March 9th through the 11th in Dayton, Ohio. Last year, uh, the Podakesis podcast crew went to this conference for the very first time, and honestly, it was life-changing. It was so impactful. And so we want to invite you to join us at this conference in Dayton, Ohio, March 9th through the 11th. You can register now. Registrations are open. Early registration is open at spiritandtruth.life, and you can follow the link there. You can also put the word podcast, podcast, in the discount code box and get a little bit of a discount on your registration. So uh, we hope to see you in Dayton, Ohio, March 9th through the 11th of 2023, as we all come together in worship, seeking God's Spirit, and being uh, and, and just fellowshipping with each other as we grow closer to Jesus. And now, uh, that's all I have, so we're going to get back to our conversation. 
It's also, in many ways, we see this as a warning, too, for us. And, uh, and so I'll, I'll give you an example of what I mean by this. So, like, um, when I first came here to Pine Forest this summer, um, one of the things that, you know, I remember being on my drive to Dublin from Columbus, and um, that's Dublin, Georgia, from Columbus, Georgia. Um, on my drive to Dublin, the, you know, I had just found out that I was being appointed here like a few days before I was meeting with the um, the SBRC. For those of you who don't know, that's kind of like our HR committee. I was meeting with them to meet with them. And um, I remember driving here. I was nervous and I was thinking, you know, Lord, the, I know the first thing these people are going to ask me is, what's your vision for our church? Mm. And I'm like, I found out 48 hours ago I was coming here. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know what my vision is. Um, and so I remember praying about that in that drive, and the the word that came to me was from the Gospel of John, and it is where Jesus says, when the Son of Man is lifted high, he will draw all people unto himself. And he's talking about his death, talking about going to the cross. When the Son of Man is lifted high, he'll draw all men unto himself. And so I remember just thinking, that's an incredible vision for mm. a church, an incredible mission to lift high the name of Jesus and to allow to let Jesus do what only Jesus can do. And so then you start looking at biblical themes like the Tower of Babel. We talked about this in the last episode. The Tower of Babel. What was the issue with the Tower of Babel? They wanted to make a name for themselves, to be like God. I mean, isn't that true for all of us? I mean, we're the, that's the great temptation. We want to be like God. We, will, we, we don't... We want to be. We want to be God and make a name for ourselves. So the mission of the church is not to make a name for ourselves or our denomination or our local church or whatever it is. Our, the the mission of the church is to lift high the name of Jesus and let Jesus do what only Jesus does. Mm. He draws people to Himself. And so I, I remember I, I shared that with the uh, that SBRC committee. And, I mean, this church has taken a hold of that and have has run with it. And I, I just praise God for that word and a reminder to me that in ministry, in mission, it's not about me. It's not about the name of the church. It's not about a letterhead. It's not about statistical tables and this and that. Oh, it's about lifting high the name of Jesus and letting Jesus do what only Jesus can do. Yep. So, yep. All right, I'm off my soapbox. Nice. It's good. So, yeah, Philippians 2. That's a favorite passage. I mean, it's, we bring that up quite a bit around here. Well, Follow it's just— as much it's, as Deuteronomy 6. No, Deuteronomy 6 is <laughs> well, too good. Well, it's just one of those kind of summary passages of Scripture that you, yeah. want, a, you want some nuts and bolts of the gospel. There it is, man. Yeah, yeah it really um, does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, um, paragraph 48. Yeah, yeah go right. ahead. Um The Son is the mediator of a new covenant who redeems us from our transgressions transgressions. He is a sacrifice that takes away our sins, reconciling us to God. The Son establishes peace, justice, joy, and love. He renews God's image and radically transforms the old existence into a new creation char characterized by moral, personal, and social holiness, and by a new community in which there is no longer Jew or Greek, there's no longer slave or free, there's no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. That's mm. Galatians 3.28. Which is, again, an image of the reversal of the Tower of Babel, right? Yeah. 
that's I mean just beautiful. Um, the the thing that stuck out to me uh, stuck out stunk out St- stuck out stuck yeah stuck out. That's, it's the same as transgressions. I don't know what that is, Alan. <laughs> Listen, I corrected myself. You did. <laughs> I know. I'm just being a butthead. All right. So, um, the renewal of God's image again in the Tifod image becomes this theme that keeps being brought up over and over and over again. So in Christ, what's it say um, in 48? Um, reconciling us. Uh, um, Renews well, the mediator God's, of the new covenant. Um, yeah. um, renews God's image and radically transforms the old existence into a new creation. Uh, what is it? Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new, new creation. creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the old has gone and the new has come. This renewal of God's image within within us, within humanity, within creation itself. Um, beautiful, awesome, beautiful. All right. Well, why don't you – you want to finish it out, Alan, with yeah, 49? Yeah, we'll, we'll knock it out. 49, uh, the church participates in the incarnate Son's human nature by the Holy Spirit in order to be conformed to the image of God's Son. This conformity entails learning obedience to God as the Son is obedient and practicing love towards others by having the same mind that was in Jesus Christ, Philippians 2, 1-11. through We just talked about this. But it is nothing less than – presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds, Romans 12, 1 through 2. In the words of the covenant renewal service, each of us prays, I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thy will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Mm. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Mm. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. Mm. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. So that's that Wesleyan covenant prayer. Yeah. If you're in a Methodist church, you probably pray that every first Sunday in January. Um, maybe. 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 <laughs> maybe. We did. It was great. We yeah. had a great covenant renewal service. It was yeah. awesome. Um, you know, it's funny. We do that at the beginning of the year after a big Christmas and when it's usually kind of a low attendance Sunday at most churches. We, we probably should do that when there's a high, like on Easter Sunday. I mean, how awesome— well, and I think um, I think John Wesley would do it whenever he would visit a society. Um, a society, so like he'd been gone a while and would come, yeah. and they would do that. So it, it, yes, it happened on 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 New Year's a lot, but also it yeah. sort of happened as a, a re up, you know, like a um, whenever whenever the big guy came in, yeah. <laughs> um, they did the that. So um, um, yeah, we like, probably should do it more often than just yeah. maybe well, let once me tell a you year. Quick story. So, I know that this whole thing isn't about the prayer, but the prayer <clears throat> encapsulates yes, the, right. the idea the church participates in the incarnate Son's human nature by mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit for a purpose to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Mm-hmm. And then it goes in through, the, through about how we do that. <clears throat> this prayer has become uh, just beautiful. One, it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who think that like you have to to read someone else's prayer is um, not genuine. Sometimes you need the words of another person, another prayer, 
uh, to say things that you might never even think to pray. Lord, mm-hmm. teach us to pray, you know? Like, Lord, I mean, teach us to pray, uh, yeah. Yeah. And so this, uh, I actually, there are seasons of my life where I print this out and tape at places. Um, I've yeah. variously had it on my mirror, uh, on my wall, taped to my car's dashboard, um, covering the speed limit or the speedometer. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Because <laughs> um, what, it, what it helps us to remember is, all right, we're participating in Christ's nature to be yeah. conformed to the image, and it's yeah. ultimately for God's glory. Yeah. Right? Um, it's the uh, old Steve Siemens um, ministry in the image of God idea that we are not really doing this for ourselves, but to have ministry in the image of God means that we are actually in ministry to the Father mm-hmm. in the Son through the power of the Holy Spirit. None mm-hmm. of this is mine. Um, I am not mine. The church, the ministry, my family, uh, my belongings, it's not mine. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to pray this prayer, and and I pray often, say, Lord, every time I read it, can you make it more true of me than it was before? Mm-hmm. You know? So that I I believe that it's okay mm-hmm. for me to put to be put with whoever and wherever God wants me to. Mm-hmm. To be okay, God, will you put me to doing? Which I love. I'm a workaholic. Or would you put me to suffering? I don't want to choose that. Like. We don't want to. Let no. me be employed for thee. Yes, praise the Lord. Yes, of course, yes. Paycheck, or laid yes. aside. Would, uh-huh. would you be laid aside? And that's participating in the the nature of yeah. Christ. Right. Because Christ allowed Himself to be laid aside, right? Yeah. And so, as the whole church, it's not just me as an individual. The church embodies this, yeah. Which which really should, could inform the way we go about ministry. Um, it doesn't all have to be glitz and ten thousand baptisms, even though some of them were also last week's. Um, it doesn't have to be hype and glitter and right. show. It can't be. It sometimes has to be suffering or being empty or having nothing or yielding all things to his pleasure and disposal when we would rather yield them to our own pleasure or disposal. Yeah. Because we are the body, and this is the wider church and congregations. And so it's a part of the light of the holy life of the church to have great moments of doing, but also yeah. moments of suffering. I was, and, I was, yeah. Go ahead, Alan. Go ahead. I was just, I was just, I was like, I was reminded of what Paul says. So, so we've been talking Philippians two, later in Philippians, um, chapter four, beginning with verse twelve. He says, "I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to be have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, where whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want." And and he says, "I can do all this through Him who gives me strength," and and so. That is often translated, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Really, it's really I can do all this, which which this is being content. Mm-hmm. And being content in whatever lot my life is, uh, whether it's um, employed for you, laid aside for you, whether it's hungry, whether it's, you know, and it's Christ who gives them the strength. And it's Christ who gives us the strength because Christ is the incarnate word. He is the he is the manifestation of of all the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, it is um, the reason, and so we're called to live. We're called to live in that way because that's the way Christ is. He humbled Himself, um, and then was later exalted. We're content 
uh, through the strength that Christ gives us. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, I just, I just, Paul, I just find it, just, Paul later uh, writes how he has lived that out in his own yeah. life. And and I want to be, uh, to bring up something here that's important. And we don't just, we're not just called to that because Christ gave us an example to do it. Right. Right? We participate in the Son by the power of the Spirit. We are in the Son. He dwells so in us. actually like, yeah. a mystical participation mm-hmm. now in Christ, not just because there was an example set one day long ago by yeah. Jesus. Sorry, AI. Yeah. But we—no, and I'm not correcting you. No, no, um, I'm no AI. Up. I'm talking about AI was oh, saying yeah, yeah. that we're an example. You That's know, right. Oh, an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, But in, in this—so I, I mentioned it with Steve Seaman's work, and it's here also in paragraph 49. The Church particip- participates in. Present tense, the preposition is in. Mm-hmm. So, what when we um, seek to be conformed to the image of God, when we seek the same mind of Christ, when we present our bodies as a living, living sacrifice, sacrifice. Mm-hmm. then we are not just following an example to do what we should do. There's too mm-hmm. many shoulds running around the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. You are participating in in the holy, mystical, majestic body of Christ now. So there it is. That's all I got. All right. So um, I'm going to venture into the realm kind of where Jim did last week when he made his um, semi-controversial, but not at all controversial, really, comments about Mary. Um, I'm going to go into some of this, too. So something I've been convicted of, and we're starting to practice at my church, you know, we we need that reminder not only of the work of Christ, we need to be we need to be reminded that we participate in Christ. We participate mm-hmm. in the mission. Like, like there is a, and that's what the sacraments do, right? The the whole idea of the sacraments, baptism and communion, reminds us that we actively participate. Um, How uh, in the incarnate Son's human nature by the, the Holy Spirit? Like that's that's what it does, and so. You know, pastors who are listening to this episode, let me just say something I've been convicted of, and we are moving into practice here at Pine Forest. Mm. Is uh, we are we are we're celebrating Holy Communion every Sunday. Wow. Um, we we did it through Advent. Um, we're taking just a little bit of a break right now because we need to do some logistical. But when Lent starts back, when mm. Lent starts up, we're going into again at both of our services, our contemporary and our traditional services, celebrating Holy Communion every Sunday, and we're just not going to stop, even after Easter. And it, it, yes, there are logistical nightmares about this whole thing. You know, there are issues. When we, we did we did uh, communion a certain way on Christmas Eve, and it took 30 minutes because we had so many people, <laughs> and we didn't necessarily plan with group. You know, we, that was Add a logistic. more grouping groups. Hey, hey yeah. it's just logistical opportunities, okay, people? There, logistical there, yeah, opportunities. Opportunities. But here's the deal, something I'm convinced about. We need that weekly reminder that not only of what Jesus has done, this is his body broken for us, this is his blood shed for us. We need that weekly reminder that we take this in, right? We take that, the body and the blood of Christ in 
as a reminder that we participate, again, as this line says, the church participates in the incarnate Son's human nature by the Holy Spirit in order to be conformed to the image of God's Son. We, we forget that. And so I think the church historically has, you know, because, you know, as often as you gather together, do this in remembrance of me, but we do that because we need that weekly reminder over and over and over and over again that we participate in the mission and ministry and image of Christ. And so pastors who are listening to this, um, I, I mean, I would just implore you to be praying about, I mean, I would love for our Wesleyan Methodist churches to get back to their roots of celebrating Holy Communion every Sunday and to understand why we do it. Controversial hot take. You can send all of your uh, <laughs> questions to Brett Mad- Pappy Maddox. Questions, otherwise known as hate mail. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. no, I hear you, man. No, that's right. And um, the line, and, and I shouldn't have this to roll up my tongue, um, but at the end, it's like uh, we're participating in the body of Christ. It talk, talks about that in the liturgy. It does, it, uh, and that we make us that one we with may you and be one for with the each body, other. The, the, uh, that we, we may, may be, be for the world, the body of yeah, Christ, Christ, redeemed by his, by his blood. blood. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yes. And, Is and, this not a participation in the body of Christ at the right. presentation at the end? Yeah. Right. Um, so, no, I think it—how great. Like, I mean, all the—we talk about why, why it matters. I mean, like, you know, uh, the incarnation uh, matters as we talk about the, uh, the Holy Communion, and, ho- and it matters in terms of our—just our, our own— personal ministry as well as the body of Christ and our local churches it all it just it it matters um all this well, matters I just, i'm so struck as we talk about this and maybe i'm just exciting myself but i think this is part of our conversation it's just the nowness yes the nowness yes, yes. of yes our faith and 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 relationship with Christ yes it is now yes um it's not something that has happened, yeah. but it's and, something and, that's happening now. And I think so much about how we we say we, we other the Scripture. It is, yeah. Yeah. it is something over there. We do this because that says. Yes. Or we do this because in the past this was the example. But it is a nowness. We don't. It's not simply because what the what the scriptures are telling us is how to participate now, mm. and by reading them yes. we are participating now. By living the the covenant life of faith together, we are participating mm. now in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's um, what is that line you said? It. What is that line you said last? Yeah, oh, like two know. two episodes ago about baptism. Oh, remember? Uh, yeah, you're not. You haven't just been baptized. You are baptized. It's better yeah, so it's instead waters, of saying yeah. I have been baptized. It's better to say I am baptized. I am baptized. Yeah. Right. So and the so other I, line. Hold on, I got to get this. Is a no, yeah, get the other one. Yeah, in. Go the, ahead, other line. the waters of baptism may dry from your skin, but your baptism will never leave you. Yeah. Bam. Sorry. That's and what a money was it? Line. I know been... Alan this past weekend. Um, yeah. Or. I know time is a well. Thing so this is the second Sunday of January that yeah. we had we had a remembering your baptism service, and I and I and I used that line. I said we are well, instead of saying we have been baptized, we are baptized. I am baptized, and that's the language I used as each one came up and made yeah. the sign of the cross on the forehead with the water and said, 
you are baptized. You are uh, baptized. And so yeah. this weekend we're doing our baptism remembrance, and the line I was going to use is something similar where I say, "Remember, yeah. remember, you are baptized, that's be, what I did. and that's be thankful." What I did. Yeah, remember yep. you are baptized yep. and be thankful. Yep. So, um, man, that's awesome. Let me um, let's cl- let's close with this. Um, uh, this um, I've been quoting a few verses from, and can it be? Um, it's hard to talk about Jesus, the Son, and not go to this um, this hymn. Um, but I, I want to just close with this. Uh, this is the last, the crescendo uh, verse out of um, uh, this uh, uh, wonderful hymn. No condemnation now I dread, Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Uh, we can claim that crown. We can claim that crown when we make that decision to follow him, to, um, to answer that call, just as Peter and Andrew and the disciples did. I think about Peter and Andrew a lot, you know, on that fishing boat with their father, doing their regular life. They weren't at church. They weren't invited by friends. By the way, this is not to say don't invite friends to church, but I'm just saying— <laughs> But hear, hear this. When you lift high the name of Jesus, Jesus is going to do what Jesus does. Mm. And Jesus is on the, you know, walking the shores of that, that giant lake, the Sea of Galilee. And he sees them fishing, and he says, hey, guys, follow me. Like he doesn't give a 10-minute invitation. You know, he just says, follow me. And there's something powerful Mm-hmm. about that. And yes, it is true. For three years, these gentlemen, they followed Jesus. They saw all kinds of stuff. They failed Jesus. Don't forget that at the moment of Jesus' arrest and when he's going on trial, what do they do? They scatter. <clears throat> but the beautiful promise of the resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost is that that it's all redeemed. Mm. That's all reversed. And they followed Jesus even unto their death, giving their lives for the gospel. Jesus is calling us to follow him. And that's not a calling to just say, hey, um, I want to be a Christian. That calling to follow him is to be like him, to be conformed into his image. That excuse that we make all the time, well, I'm not Jesus, that is an excuse that we can make no more because we are called to be conformed to his image. So if you would like to know more about following Jesus, we would love to talk to you, pray for you. Questions at podakesis.com is where you can email us. If you email us prayer concerns, it's all confidential among us three, and uh, we won't share it. If you want to know more about following Jesus, we would love to pray for you and even send you some um, material and ways that you can follow Jesus. But remember, this is not about being a Christian. This is about following Jesus, being conformed into his mm. image, so that the world may know him in us and through us. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Now, that's all. Go ahead. Hold on. To break the serious moment, I'm going to give yeah. a little. Uh, you know how some some movies have post credit scenes. Oh yes. Um, we're about to sign off. Okay. And, <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
I'm going to do a post-credit scene for the YouTube. Okay, we're going to sign off here I'm going to uh, for the audio. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to make a quick confession. For a small portion of this episode, I zoned out. <laughs> no, no, I was distracted because I was taking screenshots and putting them through um, art, <laughs> artificial intelligence. Okay. I came back. I came back to it. I think I still brought some fire there. Too. I think you did. You did. Yeah, yeah. You did. You're fine. Nobody now, had a clue. But, so we're going to close in a minute. But if you want to hop on YouTube, I do just want to show y'all a couple of the <laughs> of the pieces of art that I that I did on yeah. artificial intelligence. I guess yeah. our, this is the nerdy part of the podcast. I think we're yeah. we're, we're kind of getting back to our nerd yeah. roots. That's right. That's right. Well, Brett, right, go so, ahead and give us the official sign off. All right. So. For those of you who are listening to us in your car or where jogging or wherever and you don't have access to YouTube, we're going to go ahead and say goodbye to you. You can close it here. But when you get back home, go to our YouTube channel. Where is it again, Alan? It is uh, youtube.com backslash at podakesis. Boom. YouTube.com backslash at podakesis. You can go there. But until you get to that computer, you can see that. We'll talk to you guys later. As we end this episode, we will have all the links mentioned in the episode particularly those links pertaining to the John Wesley Institute and the document, The Faith Once Delivered, available uh, in our show notes. That uh, document, The Faith Once Delivered, is available for free download. So just click on that link and go download it, and you will have that resource. It's fantastic. Uh, be sure to hit us up on social media. At Podakesis is where you can find us. You can find us on our website, podakesis.podbean.com, and you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. So share us with your friends and tell them just to find us wherever. You can leave us a voicemail, uh, 404-635-6679, or leave us an email, questions at podakesis.com. And as always, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes, which helps us out there. We greatly appreciate it, and we greatly appreciate you. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one, and God bless.